0: I got no intro. Y'all know I usually do an intro. I'm all about intros and stories and titles. I got nothing for you today, because here's the thing. I'm just about to lay out there. I'm just about to lay out there what matters most to us, um, what, matters, um, to what matters most to us. I'm about to lay out there. Matter of fact, tell somebody if you don't know. Matter of fact, just say it with me, because I'm going to have to get you active today. When I point today, anytime in the message, say it with me. If you don't know, now you know. Say it one more time. Yourself. Ready? Here we go. Just say it. If you don't know now, y'all don't know who B.I.G. is apparently. I got some young people and some people are too old for it. Here we go. You don't even have to put the second no in it because I'm giving y'all grace today. You only have to put the second one. I just want to lay out there who we are. I want to dive right into it. I want to dive right into it. It's what matters most. It is who we are. These beliefs that I'm about to share with you that are literally my outline today, they shape my life, change my life, they continue to change my life, and they can do the same for you if you want them to and want God uh, to do them. Say it one more time. We'll go. Now, you know, online, go ahead and drop a comment. And say, let's get it, because we're about to jump right into it. I'm going to start with Jesus. I'm going to end with Jesus, because at the end of the day, Jesus is what matters. There is nothing about him that isn't irresistible, and I've seen it, and you can see it. So we're going to start there. I cannot make any promises to you today. I'm going to be all over this stage. One Sunday, with the first Sunday that I'm going to be all over the place more than ever, our lights went out. So I've got a piece of tape to keep me from going this far, but I'm going to move. I can't make any promises. I'm probably going to preach, teach. Whisper holler, may even bust up here because this is what matters to me. It changed my life, and it is why I get up every day and do ministry because I know the impact it can have on yours. Now you know. We're jumping right in, y'all. Say, tell me, say, say it with me right now. Say, let's get it, let's get it. No intros. Let's get it. Jesus, this is what we believe. What Ben Bonner, what Catalyst Churches, what we believe unapologetically. Here we go. Jesus is the Son of God and the redemption of mankind. He is the image and proof of God's love. His example is the foundation of our faith and the guide to our lives, our ministry, and all we do. I got so much scripture, I got two padfolios up here today. Colossians 1, this is about Jesus. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the, scripture teaches he's the stamped image. He is the standard. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Hebrews says this, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being, who God is, what is his heart. Look at Jesus, sustaining all things by his powerful word after he had provided purifications for sin, after he went to the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. In other words, he did the dang thing and it was done. And Jesus is the standard, y'all. Jesus is the word of God that became human and dwelt among us. Jesus is the standard for everything we do, everything I do. He is the standard. The Bible calls him the capital W word. Jesus is the capital W word of God. He is that. He is the standard. Jesus is enough. Whatever you're feeling right now, Jesus is enough. He is enough. He Because, listen, he won, therefore you win. The Bible says that our God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. He is enough for whatever you're dealing with. Dysfunction, bitterness, addiction, pride. Because a lot of us think we we get to growing a little bit. We think we got our jump together. Jesus is enough. He is enough. You haven't let him be enough, but he's enough. He is the standard for all of it, y'all. He is Jesus' is love. John says the disciple, the closest human being to Jesus when he was on earth, said this, we love because he first loved us. The fact that you are able to receive any type of love or give any type of love is because of Jesus. Because he is the perfect stamped image of the heart of God. That is who he is. And that is why we can sing songs that say he's working even when we don't feel it. The Bible says in him, in Jesus, you were made complete. I know you've been trying to substitute for a lot of things, sex, significance, respect, whatever you try to sub in. But in Jesus, you were made complete. The reason you don't walk around confident and you're insecure and incomplete is because you haven't let Jesus change your life. He loves you, He made you, He's got a plan for you. Say it with me Jesus is enough. Jesus is he is enough. He will always be enough. Matter of fact, say this with me right now. Say, I'm not a backup plan. I'm not a backup plan. Say it like you mean it. Say, I'm not, I'm not a backup plan. Online, drop a comment if you're watching with us right now. Say, I am not a backup plan. You are not a backup plan. Jesus said it. Paul prayed it this way. He prayed in the New Testament. He prayed for all of us. He said, I pray that you can grasp how wide, how deep, and how long the love of Jesus is. The Bible says Jesus is the reason. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine. That is Jesus. He is the standard. He is enough. Jesus himself said this. He is not dead. He Yes, he died. He didn't stay dead, and he isn't dead right now. He may not be visible to your eyes, but he is very present. And if you look hard enough, even in your situation, in your past, in what life, you will see that he is there because you should be dead or insane. You should have burned every bridge, not just most of them. Jesus is the standard. And Jesus said, Because I live, you also will live. He didn't say exist, live. Jesus said, I have come to give you life. And life to the abundance, overflow, not just enough. Some of you are trying, your life's gotten so far away from what God wants to do in it that you're praying just to get the bills paid, just to make a C. Man, God said, I have, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the abundance so that you are the perfect, that you realize that you are exactly who he says you are and you start living to that level. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the real deal and he will change your life not one day, someday, but every single day that you get up and choose for him to. He is what we do. He is what we do and he is who we do it for. Everything in this church, he is who we do it for and he is why we do it. Tell somebody. I'm going to try that again. I'm going to start bending over and going in between my legs. I don't get it. Jesus is the who I'm starting this message with and who I'm finishing it with because that is who we are. That is who we are, y'all. And in 2021, people haven't changed and the principles of the Bible haven't either. The Bible, speaking of, this is what we believe. We believe the Bible is inspired by God. It contains His will for our lives, His promises to us, and His plans, plans and paths for our lives, for us. Scripture tells somebody, matter of fact, let me go Let me go back to Jesus real quick. Say Jesus real loud. Say it, say it. Well, get awkward. Don't act like you people that have been in church your whole life, you're the most awkward people I know. I ask you, how, how's that cheeseburger? Glory to God, it's good. How are you doing today? You're like, you had a terrible day. Y'all got fired from your job, blessed and highly favored. Get awkward like that. Say Jesus real quick. Jesus. Jesus. I don't even do this. So say it. Say Jesus. Jesus is the standard, and because he's the standard, the word and promise and love of God is contained in the Bible. Here's the word. For the word of God, the Bible, the scripture, is contained in there, is alive and active. Man, my mama said this most my, long before I knew where it was and memorized it, she was saying it. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of your of the heart. We don't like this in 2021. We don't, like to be, we don't like to be judged by somebody who actually knows us and, and has our best interests. We just say you're judging me and push them away. But that's what the scripture does. People don't like it. It hurts your feelings. Just like your best friend that you, don't, you, you push away because they actually can tell you where you need to grow. Your spouse comes at you. They ain't full of crap. You're full of crap. You don't want to hear it. That's what the scripture does. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden, hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. In other words, you were naked before him. God knows you better than you know yourself, which is why you need to quit trusting your insecurities so daggum much. You were naked before him. That is not bad news. You, go, you don't just hide your physical body. You can't, even, you can't even go to the swimming pool without thinking everybody's looking at you. And some of you aren't even big. You're like, a, so you need to gain some weight. You go around looking because we are naked before him. Your father knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the crap that you're capable of that you haven't even done yet, much less the stuff you've done. He still loves you. And that is because the heart of God is contained in the scripture. I got something else for you because we really don't like this in, in 2021. All scripture is inspired by God. This is Paul talking to Timothy who was a very young pastor who was pastoring older people. I really feel for Timothy because I get it. Because older people try to lord their age over you. Instead of argue with you, I'm just not going to lunch with you. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. Ooh, we don't like that. We like to argue about what we, what's not wrong. And I'm talking to everybody. I'm, I'm talking to me. I'm talking to you. That's why you'll get on a doggone social media. You'll spend hours on a Facebook comment post arguing with somebody like it even matters. (laughs) We don't like being corrected. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do. It teaches us to do what is right. Here's the thing about the Bible. A lot of people don't like it. It's been abused because the Bible is like anything else. You can make it what you want to make it. I told you in this series, I've learned because I've done it myself unintentionally. People are good at making making good things bad. You can make the Bible whatever you want to make it. You can make it. You can you can use it to accuse others and excuse yourself. You can use it to work work your way around the things that you need to work on and work through. You can use it as a weapon. Oh, my God, look at this. Look right now. Everybody loves to use the Bible as a weapon. You can use it as manipulation. You can, you can manipulate people with it. You can get them to do what you want with it. You, just like anything else in life, the Bible, you can do what you want to do with it or not do what you need to do with it. It's like anything else. The Bible is it, information doesn't change your life. Huh. You look at information, actually the more information you have sometimes, it actually will make you a more destructive and manipulative person because when you have more information to work circles and ignore the things you need to address in your life, that makes you more manipulative and destruction. I don't care how good the information is, what if you don't do anything with it? Or what if you use it to not do anything with it? The Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. The information in the Bible can actually be the thing that kills you because you just know enough of it to be dangerous and not do anything with it. Trust me, the more I get in the ministry, the more I not just see it in other people. I fear it in myself. I'm like, God, I want to see it for what it is, what you want to do in my life. I want to look in the mirror alone before I get up here on the stage and start preaching. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words Will never pass away. King David, I love preaching on King David because we relate to that dysfunctional joker. (laughs) King David said, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. David made some of the most cataclysmic mistakes that most people would never recover from because of the shame. But he always gravitated back towards God because he knew that he always gravitated back to the heart of God, the promise of God, and the path of God, which is found in the scripture. And David never got lost for too long, even when he made some mistakes that most of you will never make. Because he knew it. I'm going to go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Trust me, I planted a church wanting to address this. Here it is. The Bible is messy. It's messy and it's full of messy people. A lot of it. A lot of it. It is extremely messy. People love to talk about how messy the Bible is. Absolutely, it's messy. The Bible will hurt your feelings and heal your heart. It'll change you and challenge you if you let it. The Bible says of itself that the word of God will not return until you void, empty. It will do what it's called to do if you will allow it to do it. And it will hurt your feelings. It will heal your heart. It will change your life and challenge you. It doesn't just give you hope. It gives you a kick in the rear end to do something with the hope so that you can actually experience it and not just hear it talked about on the stage. The Bible's messy, absolutely. But let me tell you something. God is in the scripture, in the messiness of the scripture just like he's in the- your own messiness. Emmanuel, right? That's the gospel. God with us. God is in the dirt right beside you. He is faithful. When you're fighting against yourself, he's trying to get you to stop God. Jesus came to earth to die on the cross. He got in the dirt with us. God isn't afraid of your dirt. He isn't afraid of your dysfunction. How do we know that? Because the scripture and the record of Jesus in the heart of God, it's all in there. God, Yes, the Bible's messy. So is your life. And God is the same God in the Bible as he is in you. The things you're hiding from, the things that you will not address, the things that you will punch somebody in the nose before you'll admit to yourself. That is the scripture. That's who we are. Now you know. I will stand for it. It's something that has never changed in my life. And it will never change. And when I get away from it. By God I'm getting back to it. Because it's what makes me. Me and what makes Catalyst. Catalyst. The church. Oh man. This is one I'm going to have to spend years teaching on. More. The church. The church is the movement. Of God working to bring people To Jesus, make disciples and be his hands and feet. It's not something we do. It's who we are. It's who we are. This is a big American mindset that needs to shift so that you can actually live the full potential of what God has called you to live. Matter of fact, Paul said it best. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, For we are co-workers in God's service. Bible says from the beginning, we like to talk about Genesis 3 and how things all, how we screwed things up. Paul, God from the beginning said, I made you me in his likeness and image. You want to look at God? Look at the potential you have in your life because God made it and God can do it and you are a part of his plan. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building, not this, you, me. When It changed my life. I used to get up here all timid. All the church I preach at 10 minutes until I realized, man, I'm what God wants to do about it. You're what God wants to do about it. I'm not talking about on Sundays. I'm talking about every single day, whether you're, whether you're flipping burgers and fast food, whether you're going to college, you are what God wants to do about it. Paul said, Paul said, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within your midst? Man, we have lost it, y'all. Matter of fact, tell somebody right now, say, you are the temple. You are, you are the church. Now point at them and say, you are, the you are the church. Be rude. You are the church. You are what God wants to do about it, y'all. Solomon built this big, magnificent temple in the Old Testament, rebuilt it in all its glory. He has his dedication. You know, everybody starts a business. They want to have a little dedication. You know what Solomon said? He said, The earth cannot contain him. How much less can this temple that I built contain him? You. Or what God wants to do about it. Do you know the word church isn't even used in the Bible? Oh, I can't wait to teach on this in a few months. Not even used. Church, kirke, was a word that came about 700 years after the New Testament church. That means club, which is why we don't have membership. Because you can have a membership at a gym or a country club and never use it. Or go to it and that's all you do. And the church isn't something we do, it's who we are. Jesus used the word ecclesia, which means those who are called out, committed to Jesus. When he said, Peter, to that crazy diva of a joker that I relate to that acted way like me this morning when the lights went out, he said to him, upon you, Peter, this rock, I will build my ecclesia, not kirke, not church. People who actually trust me. People who actually want me to work in their lives. No matter what happens, you may get crushed. You may be 75 years old, but you still have the ability to live if you'll choose it. Not breathe, live. Church. Not kirke, ekklesia. Man, even preaching over the years, I was even preaching and felt like I wasn't good enough. Huh. Jesus said upon you Peter people like you people upon you who actually are committed to me you may be skeptical you may doubt you may be bitter when that person's is lowered, lowered into the ground or feel responsible you may hate yourself and everybody else but Jesus is still saying when you're ready to answer the call I will change your life you are what God wants to do about it we are the church we are the church old gospel song says it like this I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Right. Every one of you are a part of that plan. It doesn't matter what's, what avenue you do it, whether you work with your hands and back like I will never be able to do. My ticks do enough to my back. You are a part of the plan of God. Every one of you, you are a part of what God wants to do about it. And the de- ministry and church doesn't happen here. The gas gets thrown on the fire here. When you go out there and say, "Jesus, I trust you. I'm going to grow and be a better me, and I'm going to follow you," that is when church happens. The problem in the American church is church only happens in the services, and God wants to do it every single day in your life, and it doesn't have to look like what it looked like in worship. We are the church. You are the church. Paul said, whether I eat or drink, I do it for the glory of God. Whatever I do, and he said, whatever I do in word or deed, I do all for his glory. Ecclesiastes says, whatever my hands find to do, I do with all my might. Tell somebody, you're the church. You are what God wants to do about it. He wants to work in your family through you. He wants to work in your, the fields and your job through you. He wants to work in this church through you. If you're a part of this family, he wants to work in your life. Tell somebody, you are what God wants to do about it. You don't like saying that, do you? Because it actually holds you accountable. Because you are. And Jesus said, upon this rock, upon you, the gates of hell won't prevail against you or the church because you are the church. <laughs> yes. Yes. Speaking of salvation. Oh, no, we're going to baptism first. Sorry. Baptism. sight. <laughs> baptism. Baptism is an expression of faith to symbolize, celebrate, and acknowledge The inward change that God has made, bringing the dead to life. I'm going to hold up on scripture for a minute. Baptism gets overcomplicated. That's why everybody's like, I don't really know what it is. No, that's just an excuse to not do it when you know it's on your heart. And honestly, we play into it. It's simply a sign where you were, it's basically a line in the sand that you're drawing. Not that you're going to be perfect, but a line in the sand showing, symbolizing, and celebrating that you trust your heart to him and you trust his heart. That's it. That is it. The water is just symbolizing what Jesus did, right? He died and was raised. Jesus even got baptized before he died and was raised. It is a sign to say it is saying we celebrate it because your life just starts with a decision. That's it. That you trust God. That You're basically telling everybody that I'm going to do my best. I'm going to trust him. When God says no and I want him to say yes. When I have to bury that person, when that person betrays me, God, I trust your no even when I want a yes. Baptism is saying I love you, I trust you, and I'm not going to push you away anymore like I do my exes, like I do everybody else in my life. I trust your heart. That is what baptism is. It's simple. Matter of fact, in the New Testament church, there is an Ethiopian eunuch. I'm about to get awkward for you guys because the Bible's got a lot of awkwardness in it. I told you I'm teaching it now. Ethiopian eunuch, axe. Let me tell you something about eunuchs back then. They castrated them, all my men, like, oh, all my kids. Just if I tell you what it is, you brought your kids in here at your own risk. Uh-huh. Castrated, very young. Like, you know, everybody know what castration is, right? So I don't have to, like, get ready at with these kids. Yeah, it's awful. Sounds awful, is awful, nothing to do with that. What they did is they castrated eunuchs because they were around the palace area and they did not want them messing with the women when they got older, so they castrated them. So this man, when he was castrated so young, definitely could sing high soprano his entire life. And this, this was not a picture of manliness in that culture, nor now. He was, that's why we, we read in history that centurion soldiers of Rome would actually rape these men when they were actually, had to be manly, but they were wanting to mess around, they would rape them. Paul actually addresses some of that in the New Testament. Ethiopian eunuch, right? Got that picture for you. You'll never get it out of your mind. I don't want you to. Because here it is. Ethiopian eunuch asks Philip. He he says, hey, come up in here. I need you to teach me the scripture. And he, he says, I don't understand what I'm reading. Philip comes up, he reads him through Isaiah, which is a prophecy about Jesus, and he teaches him this unit immediately. Ethiopian unit, right? Africa, right? Um, this Ethiopian unit immediately clicks. The gospel clicks, and he commits his life to the Lord. And here's what happens. Acts chapter 8. Sorry. Sorry, I'm, I got too much going on. Acts chapter 8. As they rode alone, they came to some water like he was ready. All in. That's why we call it all in. They came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. <laughs> I love the Bible. Why? Oh, man, I just got to. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. This was a eunuch, man. Like, he was under the palace guard. Like, he, you did what he said. Stop. Where was I? Here we go. He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him right there in a private setting because he was like, hey, I'm ready. What's stopping me right now from committing and declaring what God's done in my life? What's stopping me? What's hindering me, man? Let's stop right now. We got baptized. Here's the thing. We have accommodated. We accommodate. That's what we do. Pretty much. We don't have many baptisms because a lot of them are going to be private. One whole family. Like this COVID craziness we've in the past. People with anxiety. We have a bad, They've shown up in the week. We'll fill that tank up. You call me. We'll do it. Because we know that we want to celebrate you publicly, but we want to celebrate the commitment you've made when it's time to make it. But here's the thing about that. Just don't run from commitment. Because it'll hurt you a lot worse with God than the good people and opportunities that you miss by by running from commitment and change. Don't run from it. Don't run. I literally talked to a person that's my age a couple weeks ago that was bawling his eyes out saying, and God definitely had a calling on his life for many, many years, still does. And he says, I've run my whole life. Life from what God put on my heart, and I've run so far away from it. Don't run. We'll accommodate you. We'll make it work. But don't you dare run from it. The eunuch said, why not now? Why can't we do this thing right now? The joker pulled over the carriage, got in a pond, got baptized right there. Not many people there, and it was done. Anybody know John Newton? We are really getting outdated here. Uh, excuse me. Actually, y'all are losing your history. John Newton wrote the song Amazing Grace. Probably the single greatest Christian song that, is, that has been a cry for hundreds of years now. John Newton was a slave owner who would eventually convert to Christianity and later in his life would be an abolitionist, which means anti-slavery. He was against slavery as a white man. He wrote Amazing Grace. If you look up the song in the Library of Congress, Amazing Grace, the lyrics were written by John Newton, but if you look at the tune, it's anonymous. There's a reason it's anonymous. John Newton didn't write the tune to Amazing Grace. John Newton was a uh, slave trader. <laughs> that tune was an inspiration when he was delivering African slaves and taking children, men, and women's freedom. But he would hear in the hull of the ship, hmm Mm, these are men, women, and children that lost their freedom for the rest of their life being shipped off. Mm-hmm. 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 They were praising God in the bottom of that ship. He wrote the lyrics. But these African slaves knew the gospel. Do you know why the African Nation knew the gospel hundreds of years, hundreds of years before slave traders came to make them slaves. I'll tell you why it was that Ethiopian eunuch who took the gospel to Africa. <clears throat> Anybody who ever says that the cr- Christian faith is a white man's religion doesn't know the Bible or history. Paul said it best. He said, Jew, Greek, man, woman, barbarian, uncircumcised or circumcised. We are all one in Christ. Hundreds of years. Because one man said, I'm going all in right now. Why do I need to wait for me to get my crap together? Where's the first set of water? Let's do it. And that man who was just as frowned upon in Africa as he was in that part of the world got baptized that day and went, even when he was fear. I'm sure he was fearless, and even when he was scared, he didn't scare. Tell somebody right now, say all in. All in all in. Your story may not look that spectacular, but I'm going to tell you it's significant and definitely to somebody. God wants to work in your life, and when you decide to go all in and not care what other people think, that is what baptism is a sign of. If you don't, know, if you don't know, you know. Absolutely. Salvation. Hmm. Salvation. It's a line in the sand for this church, y'all. This means that, excuse me, I just went straight to scripture and I knew I'd get these too many, too much, too much. Salvation, God's forgiveness and grace are gifts given to every single person. They are not based on your works, but on Jesus' work on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul tells the most dysfunctional church. If I told you some of the things they were doing, they were the largest and most dysfunctional church that Paul planted. And he said this this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Notice he said begun, not finished. Paul said, He who started good work in you is faithful to complete it. He didn't say he completed it when you decided to make a decision, it is a process. Salvation is way more than just a ticket to heaven. It's way more than just one day. You get a, what do you do with a great gift? You don't put it on a shelf, you use it, and you get better at using it. Salvation, that's what salvation is. It is something that you get better at. Salvation happens every single day you choose it to happen. Not one day, not someday. And what we've done is a spoiled culture that we haven't made we really do every one of us what we've done is tried to make Christianity an escape plan it's so much more God wants to save you every single day as Jesus said here as in heaven salvation is so much deeper and more meaningful than we give it credit for (laughs) how many of y'all are old enough to remember uh, uh, the the movie Titanic (laughs) okay movie Titanic I love that movie y'all and I don't, I was 12, and I didn't like it for the reason you think I like it. Man, three minutes for a daggum three hours, I'm a hopeless romantic. Like some people are like, what's he mean? Don't go look it up. That's all. I love that movie. You know, I'm a hopeless romantic. It's like the bomb three hours. I was 12 just engaged. Most 12-year-olds are like, can we turn that channel? No. <laughs> but there's this one part of that movie I cannot stand. Never liked it. Still don't like it. Bothers me. Eats at me. Older woman in the movie that represents Kate Winslet talking about Jack, Leonardo DiCaprio. Says this of Jack, Leonardo DiCaprio. That's all I got to say for y'all, ladies in the place. He saved me in every way a person can be saved. I'm going to tell you something. Number one, Leonardo DiCaprio can't save anybody. He's cute, and he's still cute 27 years later, and I'm not afraid to say it. Joker looks good, but he ain't saving anybody. Nobody, no person will ever be able to save you or make you whole. No opportunity, you make it to the mountaintop, no opportunity will ever make you whole. You're like, well, you don't know, you've never been there. Look, I've, there's, I've seen, you can read articles where I thought I'd get to the top and it was lonely and I wanted to kill myself at the top. It won't work. Your goals that feel like will get you there and make you feel good about yourself will never the fixes that you have, whatever you use, money, drugs to, to cover it up. You will never be able to get where you want to go doing that. And it bothers me because only your creator can truly save you and make you whole and heal you. And your creator says, and the reason I know that, your creator says the opposite things about you that you that you believed and lived. Which is why you're living in those lies. Salvation you don't have to earn it. And here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the ones that need a doctor, the sick. If you're in a bad place, it's not a bad place to be. A bad place to be is when you think you got it and you're living off your aptitude and competence and confidence and it's just good enough to cover up where you really are, how you really feel, what you really need to work on. He said I came for the people that need a doctor and when you're ready to be desperate enough to know you need to make some changes in your life I'm telling you that is the goodness of the gospel that is salvation and Jesus loves you Leonardo DiCaprio will never do it for you your husband won't do it for you your wife won't do it for you your kids, you may have raised some good kids but they won't do it for you you may have raised some kids that have lost their minds but they won't do it for you either I'm going to tell you Jesus is the only person that can save you only Jesus, only Jesus can save you in every way and can be saved He is the good shepherd Marriage We get married the same. People are like I've heard so many people Say over the years I get married And it just gets old And redundant I had a merit, pre-marriage counselor Ask me this question What are you going to do When you know All Angie's stories Let me tell you something If you do marriage right You continue to discover And deepen your love for that person season to season. You may kick them in the butt every day for a season. But you deepen your love and respect. The same is true for salvation and what God wants to do in your life. He is the good shepherd. He will save you not one day, not someday. Every single day you will grow. When life crushes you, people disappoint you. God will grow you. That is salvation. And we have made it such a shallow, shallow principle and doctrine. That's who we are, at least. Speaking of expansion and growth, um, I added two more beliefs that I'm gonna do real quick. Y'all ready? Y'all, y'all got y'all with me? Here we go. These two more, totally new ones. I've been working on them for months, gotten some help from the staff because I suck at writing, better at talking. Here we go. The Holy Spirit. Don't know why it took this long to do this, but I did it. It's done. It changed my life, and it's gonna change ours as a church family. The Holy Spirit is our Counselor. And our helper. We can be close to God through the Holy Spirit. God wants to do life with us. God's Spirit changes our life. And the power of God's Spirit works through our life. Jesus himself said, but the advocate. He was going to the Father. He was His physical body was leaving. And Jesus says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you. Everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. We're all going to be scared sometimes. But when you are crippled and it's because you don't have peace. And you don't have peace because you truly don't believe. Or aren't letting God. The presence of God and the spirit of God change your life. You're not letting it in. You can push God away just like you push everything else away. And Paul, man, this cha- about, about 10 years ago, this just changed me. Paul said this, just inspires me every single day. By the way, it's a typo. It's 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. Oh, there's some people like to talk about it. It is living by God's power. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh. And I'm going to try not to flip off this stage right now. But the presence and power of God changes everything. And what's helped me grow in my life in seasons and be more confident than the last season when I come out of it is simply the confidence in his presence, not being. The presence and power of God is the reason that 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 I can, that a guy can stand on this stage with Tourette's Syndrome, AC, a, ACD, OCD, all of it, whatever. ADD, oh my God, ADD, OCD, Asperger's, a ton of crap where they got where that comes from and you can actually at least pretend to follow my craziness. That is the presence of God. It's what it can do, what it's done for me and can do for you in your own giftings and what God has called you to do. Because this stage may be a part of God's plan for me, but God has got something for you. And the presence of God changes everything in your life. Everything. Jesus didn't just say it to me. The Bible doesn't just say it to me. Excuse me. Paul said it. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives not just in me. It doesn't just strengthen me, comfort me, counsels me. It can do the same for you. Every day more and more. I didn't get here one day. I didn't get here last year. I've gotten I've made some mistakes and gotten away from it in some seasons. I've gotten tired, pissed off at the world. But the presence of God is the game changer. It's what separates Christianity from everything else. The Emmanuel, God with us, God within us. That is who he is. I have been through somebody's car alarms going off out there. I have been through actually, there's a chance that could be my no, it's in my front pocket. Woo, somebody's. Let me just make sure. If a second one goes off, it's not mine. Nope. And I hear another one. (laughs) Listen to me. I have been through seasons and situations that would crush most people, would have crushed me. But as the scripture says, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. (laughs) Jesus with his disciples. It said, he breathed on them. He breathed on them the Spirit. What's impossible with man is possible with God because of the Holy Spirit. While we worship and praise God, and it may make you feel awkward on this stage, we're not trying to just get you to do it one day a week. We're trying to get you to see the value of worshiping and focusing on God instead of everything else you got to deal with. Because the Bible says, seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. The presence of God changes the game. And we believe in it. We believe in it. We always will. Last one. Here we go. Generosity. Generosity. I told you I'm not afraid of it anymore. So it's a statement of faith. It's what we believe. We don't have to be generous. We get to be generous. Jesus gave his all. Therefore, we want to give give him our all. We trust him with what he's entrusted to us. And we invest in what we believe in. Paul said this to a church that he planted that had been given so much, but were giving so little of what God has given to him. There were broke churches all around him that were not giving nearly as much as what they had to give. Second Corinthians, he says this. Remember this, church is what he's, church he planted. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must, it's simple reaping and sowing. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure or manipulation or any of the other crap. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then, here's the goal of it then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others you are the church Jesus says it best for the kingdom of God I said, wrong got away from it for your treasure is for where your treasure is there your heart will be also not afraid to talk about it when you love Jesus you trust Jesus and you want to give him your all you don't have to man God's a gentleman truly the Bible is a book of choice Talk about your gifts your abilities not just your money when you trust God you trust a matter of fact the hardest thing to let go of your money that's why Jesus said where your treasure is your heart is also your gifts and abilities when you truly love and trust Jesus and you truly under you truly want to follow him what happens is you're not you don't whine about getting here early on Sundays because you want to serve Jesus said the greatest among you will be your servant why because you trust him enough to get dirty sometimes and to do things you don't like to do you give your abilities. You don't have to be on this stage. Everything that we do in here, everything you do at your job during the week matters. What you do at your schools, young people, the the small deeds are big, are big. And the fact that you're withholding what God has called you to give is not generosity. It shows that you don't truly trust him. Man, hey, you may not be able to sing like the band or play like the band. I can't. I can try, but I can't but you can can bake cakes. I'm going to tell you, bake cakes in the name of Jesus. Give people diabetes in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Give me diabetes because I'm going to tell you I'm not going to eat seven pieces anymore, but I'm going to eat one and I'm going to have a smile on my face. Whatever your hands find to do, be generous. Be generous. Money, I'm going to tell you, people like to talk about wealthy people are greedy, broke people are greedy too. You can, because wealthy people got away from what got them there and broke people hadn't made the decisions to actually save and make good decisions so they're in deeper holes but here's the thing doesn't matter whatever if I lost every dime I had I'm going to give what I got my favorite thing to do my favorite check to write has always been to the church always been to give to outside the church Angie and I give a lot to the church but we give outside here too it's always been my favorite. And don't you look at me like, yeah, I said, look, it was when I was single. I used to tithe my student loan checks. Don't play with me. Stimulus checks, uh, tax refunds, Angie and I, she knows the tithe. And we actually talk about the percentage because it's going to be more than 10%. It's always that way. Always that way. Because I love him. It is not a burden for me to give my, it's not a burden for me to bear my heart. Some people get on a stage like to pretend I usually get criticized. Somebody goes out and said, I can't believe you said that or acted like that. I want to give what he's given me. I want to get better at it. I want to grow it. I want to give what he's given me. Time, talent, treasure, gifts, because I trust him. And you may not feel like you have much to give, but that's because you haven't given anything for him to grow. Oh, I'm bringing my problems to him. Why don't you bring the things you have to offer? Why don't you you start? Because the first thing we pull from the budget is the giving track. That's the easiest. It doesn't affect you. That's the point. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? I've always, I will will go down with the ship before I stop trusting God with what he's given me. That is who you are. Not because I have to. Because I want to. I love him and I've seen what he's done. I've seen what he can do. what he's done for me, he can do for you and he can do for all of us. Together. Y'all ready? Now you know.